0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: This is the Four FCS
0: Fanatics Radio Show with your hosts Adam Willey, Preston Adams, Dakota Collins, and Jeff Wigton, and now here's the show.
2: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to week 11 of the 4FCS Fanatics. I am Preston Adams, and this evening I will be joined by Dakota and Jeff. So, Dakota, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing well. Pulled my back a little bit yesterday. Had to call into work today, but it's all right.
2: (laughs) Come on. You're not old enough to be doing that.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've had back problems for as long as I remember
2: so, <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're also talking to somebody who did marching band, so I am definitely someone who is not uh, foreign to the uh, the ailments of the back and or the <laughs> knees. Definitely rest and feel better. Um, Jeff, how are you doing tonight?
0: Uh, I would say I'm I'm improved. I'm I'm considering whether I'm going to go out and do a couple miles after the show. So we'll have to take a look. We'll just see how things are going here in a little bit.
2: Okay. Wonderful. That sounds great. Well, we actually have a packed show this evening, so I'm not going to dilly-dally on the front end. Um, let's recap our game of the week last weekend. Um, I'm completely blanking, but I'm sure that I watched it. What was the game again?
1: Eastern Washington and Weber State.
2: Oh, yeah, I watched the crap from Utah. that game. Um, so, Jeff, this is your makeshift conference for this week since Adam is off doing the college basketball thing. So um, let's get your thoughts first on um, what you saw in this game, uh, what you liked, what you didn't like, and just just your overall thoughts.
0: Well, my first thought, of course, is, is the same thing that we talked about last week. It was going to be a defensive struggle. This is the first time in well over a year that the Eagles haven't scored a touchdown. So, you know, and and by now I don't think we're playing spoiler. Uh, you know, I'd say people probably, if they're listening here, they already know. Eastern Washington, you know, went down fourteen to six down in Utah. So, you know, I, it was it was everything that we had hoped it would be, and in fact, I think we were all kind of thinking that it was possible that uh, that Weber State was going to pull off the win. And lo and behold, look what happened. You know they they went in they they played a solid game and and they took this, so yeah, we didn't pick that game actually in our pick 'em stuff for last week, but yeah it it wasn't really a big surprise that that weber state that Weber State won here. Mhm,
2: uh, Dakota, did you get a chance to see the game?
1: I did not see any of it, unfortunately. Um I wasn't too surprised at the outcome of the game. You know, especially with Eastern Washington being without Gage for yet another week. Um I did I just figured Weaver would have a little bit more of a make a little bit more of a statement uh because you know Eastern Washington actually did outgain them on offense. Weaver stated it a punt return for a touchdown uh to win. But I mean, this Eastern Washington defense let's give them some credit because, you know, without Gage running the offense, the defense kept them in the game for all four quarters, and this defense has only given up, I think, 65 points all year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be concerned if I'm an Eastern Washington fan because if, as soon as they get Gage back, you know, their offense is going to get right back on track. If their defense can play like this all year long, they, they got a serious chance to make it to Frisco. But I – Thought Weber could have done a little bit more, you know. A lot of people are putting them in like their top five now after that win, and I just don't, I just don't see it. You know, this team did lose to Northern Arizona the week before, and then, like I said, Eastern Washington after all American quarterback Weber needed a punt return, they scored fourteen points. Um, yeah. and Now I will be, I'm willing to eat my words because Weber's next game is in Bozeman against Montana State, and if they win that game, then yeah, definitely I'll be a believer in Weber. But that really only moved the needle slightly for Weber, in my opinion.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, honestly, so I have been impressed.
2: Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're not done. Please
0: go. Okay. I've been impressed with Weber State since they beat Western last year in the playoffs. You know, and they've just gotten stronger this year. So, mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, you know, I knew that they were going to win this in, with defense you know I, I i haven't really gone oh yes this is an offensive team that's going to uh that's going to go ahead and you know be able to do much uh you know on that side of the ball but on the defensive side of the ball they hold teams you know in their places and they make sure that they you know um that that they that they keep the score low and honestly then you also look at northern arizona let me just bring that point back up um yeah, I, yeah, they lost. They lost, and that was that was really kind of a surprise. I, I called that a trap game, uh, but for some reason, Flagstaff has been a house of horrors this year. You know, um, the Weber State has lost there this year. Um, Southern Utah, well, it didn't surprise many people that they lost there this year. And honestly, mm-hmm. Eastern Washington had trouble winning there this year. They they only won by a few points. So that didn't surprise me when they it – it, it, it should surprise me a little bit more, I guess. But, um, you know, the fact that, that Northern Arizona is just a house of horrors for the big sky this year. So, um, I, you know, I'm just going to – I'll defend Weber State in that respect and and say, yeah, that's part of the reason why they did make my top five this this week.
2: Okay, and I mean honestly, I think I'm um you're definitely right on the A um Northern Arizona front that playing there is not easy. It's kind of like playing in Mile High Stadium um for Denver. It doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter how much you prepare. That's just a completely different elevation and if you're not practicing in it constantly, it's tough mm-hmm. to do. Um what I thought well, it is the highest uh it is the highest uh park in um in
0: FCS, isn't it?
2: I believe so, yeah. So it, it, it's not something to be overlooked, to say the least. Um, then again, I'm not going to make an excuse. I think um, if you're a team and you want to be considered a top-five team, you go in and beat an inferior opponent no matter where it is, which Eastern Washington did do, even though they they struggled. But I never thought that they were seriously going to lose that game. I watched a lot of that game as well. Um, and, and with that being said, what I saw against Weber State was two very, very good defenses in a conference that doesn't usually produce good defense. And what what really jumped off the screen to me was the difference between Eastern Washington the previous week and this week. Um, with a backup quarterback last uh, the week before, they were high flying, scoring 55 points, looked like everything was great. <laughs> And then they go up against somebody that has an actual defense, and it's like, wait a minute, who who is this team? Mm-hmm. Their deep, the Eastern Washington defense stayed intact, but it was like their offense was completely different. And like you, like you guys have said, Eastern Washington outgained Weber, but I I mean, me personally, I never saw a point in the game where I was like, oh okay, E W uh, is going to come back and win this, which you know, that's a credit to Weber and having lockdown defense and playing really well on their homecoming, I believe it was. So hats off to them. But uh, I didn't put them in my top five. Um, in fact, I'd have to go back and see where exactly I had them. Um, yeah, they're not in my top five. I have them at six, which I might change thinking about it right now. But, but even still, like I wasn't about to say, okay, yeah, you guys lost Arizona, but you beat Eastern Washington that kind of puts you exactly where you should have been um, or where most people probably would have had them is like an 8 or a 9. But all that being said, you know, credit to them for getting that win. Um, You have to play who's across the field from you. Um, Eastern Washington's backup quarterback is more than capable, Um, so they did a great job of containing him as well. Um, And it just makes the big sky more interesting, you know, They're kind of like the CAA. They have, I think, one or two undefeated teams and then three or four teams with one loss. And um, I'm not going to step on any toes, but there were some other shocking results from the Big Sky last weekend, and um, we'll get into those next. So, actually, we're going to go a little reverse here. And, um, Dakota, how about you recap some of the big results from your uh, your games last weekend?
1: A quick note first on... You talk about, you know, just the records being close. You know, Eastern Washington's lost to Weber. You know, that makes it four teams in the big sky that now have two overall losses. Right. So that conference is still up for grabs for really anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me get my conference up here. Starting with the Southern Conference, you know, I said a couple weeks ago when – East Tennessee State was sitting at 4-1, and they were going to their home come against Gardner-Webb. I wanted them to blow the doors off Gardner-Webb, you know, because this is a game, if they're really for real, this is a game that they've just got to dominate. And they did. They shut them out. And then last week they had a tough test in Charleston against the Citadel, who's a lot better than what their record shows, and East Tennessee State got the win, 26-23 over the Bulldogs. Samford. Sanford has found their offense. I know it was VMI, but Sanford dropped 73 points at home against VMI. They defeated the Keydets 73-22. Chattanooga got a road win against Western Carolina, 26-6. And then Furman with the upset of the day at home against Wofford, 34-14.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, that, that's obviously the one that stood out to me. Furman, not really even a close game, just dominating. Uh, the Terriers, who were in top six, top seven. Now a lot of people were doubting the Terriers. You know, <clears throat> feel like they're one of those teams that didn't earn where they earned the ranking that they were given. Mm-hmm. And so that loss just opens up the door more for the surprising East Tennessee State ball club. Okay, for some. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then last week in the SWAC, we had Grambling getting a win over Texas Southern, thirty-four twenty-one. Southern with the big, I say shocker because Prairie View has been so, you know they've been doing they're one of the surprises this year, and I know mm-hmm. Southern's always you know the, one of the top teams in the swack, but still Prairie View got shut out thirty-eight nothing. South Alabama had no problem with Alabama State forty-five to seven. Jackson State kept Mississippi Valley State winless twenty-three to seven, and then Alcorn State defeated Alabama A and M thirty-five to twenty-six. That Prairie View game, getting shut out by Southern in that fashion, you know that breathes new life for Grambling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because um, Grambling has uh, really been an upset this year, but then you know Prairie View, who were in, the, who was in the driver's seat, you know they lose that game last week. It's a three-way tie in the West Division between Southern, Grambling, and Prairie View, so that division's up for grabs. Um. For some yeah, there it is. there And in the Ohio Valley last week, everyone's favorite team, Jacksonville State, <laughs> cruised by Eastern Illinois 49-22. to Eastern Kentucky got a one-point win over Tennessee Martin 35-34. Murray State beat Tennessee State 45-21. And Austin Peay lost to Southeast Missouri State 31-27. And the Ohio Valley... This Murray State Ball Club, they're sitting at 3-0 in the conference, and they're one of the few teams left I can actually challenge Jacksonville State for the Ohio Valley crown. And Tennessee State doing what they always do, start off the season hot, and then seem to falter midway through the Ohio Valley schedule. Um, Eastern Kentucky stayed alive in the race with a one-point win. They're sitting at 2-1 and one with their lone loss to Jacksonville State. So that wrapped up my conferences last week.
2: All right. Awesome, Dakota. Thanks for that. Um, I think everybody, while we were expecting um, Walford to kind of show their true colors eventually, um, yeah, that was a bad loss, like
1: really, yeah, really I, bad. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be Furman, because Furman's been kind of down
2: this year. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and, and I think that's um, why I dropped him so far in my personal top 25 poll. I decided to do one last week. This week, like I didn't, I never really had faith in Wofford to begin with. But when you get waxed like that by a Furman team, that for me is really hanging by a thread anyway in terms of playoff positioning. That just I was like, okay, I don't need to worry about this team anymore. Um, At least in terms of the national seeding, they might not even win their own conference. So that was shocking. And you already mentioned the Prairie View shutout. That was just like, I don't know where that came from. Maybe Southern got a good talking to over the week or something. <laughs> um, so, so the Slack just got interesting, um, which is great, great for them. Um, so, uh, Jeff, you've got a lot of conferences. Let's go through them.
0: All right, we can roll on through. Um, let's start off here with the big sky that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Eastern Washington went to Utah. They couldn't score that touchdown. The Wildcats held the Eagles to two field goals in that 14-6 upset that we talked about. Weber State had two fourth-quarter interceptions. One of those was in the end zone. In a battle of one-loss teams, UC Davis gave Idaho State their first loss in a 44-37 win. Jake Meyer also had five touchdowns in the overtime victory. North Dakota's Nate Ketteringham threw four touchdown passes, and ran for another as the Fighting Hawks upset the Grizzlies at home, and the Vandals missed an extra point in the fourth quarter, and that was the margin of victory. The Montana State Bobcats escaped with a 24-23 win over Idaho. Moving over to the Big South, Charleston Southern, Kennesaw State, and Monmouth won, Presbyterian lost. This week we've got uh, only two games there, so uh, that that that's going to be really easy to, uh, later on to, to give you my highlights for the Big South. Uh, Dartmouth stays undefeated in the Ivy League as they demolish Sacred Heart forty-two to nothing. Princeton also has the unblemished record of the Ivy League. They beat the Brown Bears forty-eight to ten, and the Penn Quakers rallied in the fourth quarter to beat the Columbia Lions thirteen to ten. Moving over to the Northeast, I'll save the Missouri Valley for last. Uh, Central Connecticut State spotted the Bryant Bulldogs a 14-6 first quarter lead. The Blue Devils scored 42 unanswered points over the next three quarters, as they stay undefeated in conference play with a 48-14 win. Dartmouth blanked the Sacred Heart Pioneers, as I mentioned, 42-0. Duquesne doubled up the score on Robert Morris, 48-24, and Wagner held off St. Francis, 23-22. In the Pioneer League, Moorhead State upset Davidson with a late fourth quarter touchdown. Stetson gave Drake their first conference loss as they held off the Bulldogs 23-21. Valpo wins their first game of the season. The Crusaders outscored the Bulldogs 21-3 in the second half as they earned the 35-17 win over Butler. And San Diego built a 23-14 lead in the first half over the visiting Dayton Flyers. The Toreros were able to hold off the visitors in a 36-34 to 34 win. In the Southland, San Houston State, Southeastern Louisiana, Lamar, Abilene Christian, and Central Arkansas were all winners this week. And uh, in the uh, actually in the, in the Missouri Valley, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa, and Illinois State, all ranked teams, all rolled to wins over their Missouri Valley foes. And that is my look around my conferences.
2: Okay, um so I think that probably the biggest one, uh, at least for me was how North Dakota just completely manhandled Montana. Um, I know a lot of people like to make jokes about how Montana can't play outside of Montana. I was stupid in sides pick Montana, have a little faith in the Grizzlies, and they uh they let me down so um, I think we'll talk about the Grizz a little more uh, going late into the show, but and just some quick thoughts guys uh, what do you even try to make of this Grizz team
0: again they're not a road team they never have been you know in their good years they're they're really a, uh, you know they're not a they're they're a team that that may win on the road but they have to they have to dominate at home and and they have to dominate the weaker teams in the in the big sky to to have a chance and that team is just—they're—they're uh, they're playing teams that are not letting them, you know, walk all over them this year. So, uh, I don't know if, well, of course, you know, Western and North Dakota. I don't know if those are like the stronger teams, but you know, at least those are teams that that they could have beat, you know, especially if they were back in in Bozeman, so or in Missoula, so. You know, there you go. I, I I just think that this is a team that is built to to win in 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 that house, and that's that's where it is.
2: Okay. Um. And I I'm you know, I'm not going to fall on a Montana sword or anything, especially as a JMU fan. But I definitely learned something last week, and I think the rest of the nation did. So with with that said, I'm going to blow through my conferences really quick since I took, like, eight hours to write up something on the CAA. So go read it on the FCS Fans Nation (laughs) website.
1: Shameless plug.
2: Oh, my gosh. That that seriously took me eight hours to do. Anyway, um, let's go through the Patriot League real quick. Colgate, um, no surprises, beat Cornell 31 to nothing. But a surprise. Georgetown actually beat, um, I think it was Lafayette. Uh, I can't find the score really quick on the internet here. It's something like 13 to six. So the Hoyas are actually undefeated in um, in Patriot League play. And if they beat Lehigh next week, that sets up a 3-0 clash versus Colgate and Georgetown, which I don't think anybody would have had going into this year. So could have something interesting happening happening in the Patriot League. Yeah, nobody nobody picked uh, nobody picked them to to go
0: much further than last place. So so congratulations to the Hoyas.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm very very proud of them. Um, So moving on um, into the Miak, Bethune Cookman won 28 to 26 to keep their celebration bowl hopes alive. Um, And clearly the biggest uh, game out of the Miak from the weekend was Florida A&M going down and winning on the last-second field goal, 22-21 to 21, to beat North Carolina a and uh, They were actually down 21-6 to 6 at halftime in that game, and Florida A&M said, no, 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 not today. We're on our way back. And so the Rattlers are actually sitting undefeated, in the MEAC right now followed by Howard, Norfolk State, Bethune-Cookman, and North Carolina A&T all with one loss in conference. And it really does make it fan use conference to lose. I'll go over some of the games that uh, are important in the MEAC, but, um, you know, I'm not so sure that it is an A&T team falling back to uh, the MEAC more so kind of the same way that JMU has really challenged the rest of the CAA to step up their game, um, especially like with a team like Florida A&M who's right in the middle of Florida, um, they can recruit, and they can recruit very well if they have the right coach and they finally have the right coach. Um, so I really think that it's the rest of the MEAC finally stepping up, um, which, again, makes for great football. Now I'm going to move over to the CAA. This is going to be really quick. Jamie bounced back uh, to beat Villanova 37 to nothing in a literal shutout, which was nice for me as a JMU fantasy. fan to see. Uh, Delaware upset Elon. let me say upset in parentheses, um, 28-16. Unfortunately, Elon lost their quarterback Davis Cheek with a torn ACL early in the first quarter. And um, Malcolm Summers, their running back, did not play in that game either. But that's not why Delaware won. Delaware won because they had timely touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They're actually up on this game, 16-14. So don't take anything away from uh, Delaware's win. Um, Stony Brook beat New Hampshire 35-7, to which really, for all intents and purposes, has finally killed off New Hampshire's um, playoff hopes that were hanging by a thread anyway. Um, Maine and Rhode Island had a heck of a game. Uh, Maine went on another last-second field goal to beat Rhode Island 38-36. to They also came back from a 30-14 to deficit in the second half to make that happen as well. So watch out for the Maine Black Bears. They are the real deal as well. Uh, Towson had a little bit of a slow game uh, playing against the pesky William & Mary team, uh, 129-13. Tom Flacco was still his dual threat self, getting over 100 yards both passing and rushing. And Richmond finally got a win against Albany, 27-24. And I will say this about Albany. Yes, they have not won a game in the CAA as of late, but they've only been blown out twice all year. They got blown out by Pittsburgh and Rhode Island, and every other game that they've played in has been within one score. So Albany is taking these losses, but they're playing really, really close, so they're basically the opposite of what Elon was last year. Elon was winning a whole bunch of close games, and Albany's losing them. So Albany isn't as bad as people might say they are based off of what they're seeing in their record, Um, but, you know... I wouldn't write them off. I'll just uh I'll just put them that way. Put it that way. Um so did any of those scores uh kind of jump out to you guys really quick before we move on to the top 25? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to
0: say that everybody, uh you know, to me that just wasn't a, a something that went what? What's that? I but I again, you know, we've talked about Maine several times this year. Congratulations as as you said to the Maine Black Bears. And uh, it will be fun to see how far that they can go in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, um, for sure. Like I said, I'm not going to go too deep into the CAA because my brain is fried on what I wrote. Um, But Maine also has a very easy schedule the the remainder of the season compared to other CAA teams. So, heck, the Black Bears could go go undefeated, which would be amazing. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. We'll just put it that way. So um, oh. without, without further ado, um, I think I'm just going to read down the top 25 and we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so uh, this, is the stats, this is the stats, top 25. Um, one through five, we have North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Kennesaw State, James Madison, and Jacksonville State. Then six through ten, we have McNeese, Weber State, <laughs> Illinois State, Eastern Washington and UC Davis. Wow, they're finally on to us. Go, Aggies. So 11 through 15, we have Elon, Wofford, Towson, Sam Houston, and Central Arkansas. Uh, 16 through 20, we have Maine, Colgate, Stony Brook, North Carolina, AT, and Nichols. 21 through 25, we have Eastern Tennessee. Rhode Island, Princeton, Delaware, and UNI. And others receiving votes right outside are North Dakota, Dartmouth, Idaho State, Missouri State, and Florida A&M. So, Dakota, what jumps out to you with those rankings? And I guess we can, yeah, just just tell me, what jumps out to you with those rankings?
1: I'm going to dissect the poll in this section. Starting with the top five, Jacksonville mm-hmm. State is not a top five team. They're not, they shouldn't be in the top five. Um, Then going down from that, like 6 through 10, McNeese is too high as well. I don't think they've done enough to really show that they're worth a number 6 ranking. And I feel like UC Davis is too low. They should be higher. Um, And then just going back out of that, I feel like a broken record because we say this every every week. Sam Houston State should not be number 14. I'm sorry. I know they're actually starting to win games now, but who are they beating? Like last week they beat Northwestern State. I mean, um, <laughs> Nichols losing yet again. Yet they're still somehow in the top twenty. Even though you got East Tennessee State, who's six and one behind them, Princeton, who's undefeated behind them, Rhode Island, who's four and twos behind them. Like I don't think Nichols is a top twenty-five team. And then here we are again, in the top twenty-five. Northern Iowa, for what? <laughs> for what?
0: Well, and they even get back into the poll.
1: That's what I'm saying. They, what? These teams that are just getting votes in the outside, North Dakota should be in the top 25, in my opinion. Dartmouth should be in the top 25, in my opinion. These these schools who are not used to this success, they're actually surprising folks this season, should be getting this opportunity to be in the top 25. Because um, mm-hmm. you and I, you look at their three wins. Two of those three wins are against Indiana State and Howard, and none of the three teams they have beaten have a winning record. Mm. So...
2: That, no, that's not, that's I, my
1: stance on the topic. Though.
2: I definitely agree with you with a lot of that, um, Jeff. What about you? What's jumping out to you in the current? Actually,
0: situation? I I I will say the same thing. You know, I I understand Kennesaw State's in the Big South, but you know, geez, Kennesaw State, you're you're in the Big South, as I just said. You should be beating teams this bad. Um, I, again, I haven't seen Jacksonville State, but. I remember when when Dakota saw them play, he he even dropped them out of his top ten. So you know that that I'll, I'll go I'll defer to Dakota there. Uh, UC Davis, I've had friends out west been talking about these guys all year. So congratulations to them for popping into the top ten. Um, again, Wofford, I, I started to jump on the bandwagon. I'm uh, yeah, uh, maybe I should have stayed off. Uh, <laughs> Preston, what's your thoughts here on Towson? Because, uh, you know, I, I'm just not sure I'm sold on them either, being a, especially being a 13 seed. Um, okay.
2: So I can actually get into Towson very, very well because I also know their remaining schedule. The, the Towson Tigers have beaten, um, if I can pull up their schedule real quick, they have beaten playoff teams already. Or teams that will be fighting playoffs. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. Um, they have, okay, Morgan State. They lost, so they beat Villanova, um, but that was when Villanova had their uh, starter in, um, much better team. And they put up 45 on Villanova. They put up 44 on the Citadel, and the Citadel has been playing teams very close. And they beat down Stony Brook 52 to 28. And then I mentioned William and Mary. This is the thing about Towson. This weekend they play Albany. Everybody thinks they should win that game, but again, I said, don't take Albany lightly. They're playing teams very close. Then after that, their final games are as follows, and I think in ascending order of difficulty, even though Elon is missing a couple of their starters. They play Delaware, they play Maine, they play Elon, and they play JNU. That's Towson's four final games. So you know not an easy I, what were you gonna say? Not
0: an easy uh you know by any stretch of the imagination. So Yeah Well and you know so so so, so with that with that resume maybe they're underrated.
2: And and you know You know, maybe I, maybe they should be going up for for one of those top ten spots then. And, and that's what I was saying. I was like, you know, I haven't seen anything from Towson to make me not want to put them in the top ten. I think I might have put them in mine. Um, it was either that or they were like at a something. But the, the thing about Towson is they're going to have games that will give them the opportunity to, for sure, uh, solidify a, even a, even a seeding, especially if they can, you know, if they beat Albany and they beat Delaware, and they can win two out of their last three games between Maine, JMU, and Elon. I mean, I'm not going to knock them for that. You know, it might be an 8-3 and three record, but you'd be losing to JMU, which could potentially be a seeded team in and up themselves, a Maine team that is also looking for seeding in the playoffs, and an Elon team mm-hmm. where, yeah, I mean, we just don't know what to make of Elon yet since, unfortunately, they lost Davis Chief due to injury. So... You know, I'm okay with I'm okay with Towson floating around 13. I definitely think they're better than Wofford. Like, holy crap, better than Wofford. Like, it's not even close. Um, I know in my top 25, I have Wofford down to, like, 17. Like, I'm not impressed. Um, and I'm not trying to be a hater or anything. I'm, I'm just not impressed with Wofford. I think that there's other stuff going around the SOCOM that's more interesting than Wofford personally. Um, like, East Tennessee State. Um, so, you know, I, I can't really be mad at Towson being at 13, even though I do think that they're better than a couple of the teams above them. And I think that they've had better showings than, let's say, you know, McNeese. Um, McNeese barely beating Navaline Christian 17-10 to 10 or something like that, 21-17 last week, or a couple weeks ago. That ain't impressive. I don't know why they're up at number six. Um, and and I think, you know, we're going to go into this a little later um, about teams that we just think are not deserving of their rankings. Now, I do want to touch on what you said about North Dakota and Dartmouth. I have both of them ranked in my top 25. I have been watching a lot of Ivy League this year. Dartmouth is the real deal. Like, they can score on anybody and then. Excuse me. They can score on anybody and then some. Like, I have seen that team. Um, Makes me really wish the Ivy League was in the playoffs, but I surely would not want to play them in the playoffs. Same thing with Princeton. You know, both of those teams down there, I think that if the Ivies had started a little earlier in the season, both those teams would probably be floating around the top ten, if not already in the top ten. They just don't have as many games under their belt. Um, In North Dakota, everybody likes to give North Dakota crap, or I guess we have fan bases that are very loud. They like to give North Dakota crap. (laughs) But they're they're a good team. Um, they're a very good team. They they definitely have an opportunity to make it into the playoffs. I know that this poll is not going to be the be all end all, especially when doing seeding. But you know, kind of like you were saying with Northern Iowa, uh, does Northern Iowa really have a more impressive resume than North Dakota? I'm not going to say that. Does Northern Iowa have a more impressive resume? Than Dartmouth, definitely not. Um, And I think I'll just leave it at that. Um, I will say a couple more things. Delaware, I like them sneaking in at 24. That's actually exactly where I had them in my poll. Delaware's going to be very interesting uh, coming down the stretch. If I can look at their schedule really quick, and I can. Um, Delaware has some games coming up where, you know, it's like the rest of the CAA, they need to win. Um, They need to beat New Hampshire this weekend. that's just the one that they're going to need. But after that, they have Towson, Albany, Stony Brook, and Villanova. Um, that Villanova game could be a de facto, de facto playoff game because Villanova can very well beat their next three opponents and be at six and four. Um, and Delaware could be at whatever. Um, and that could be the two of them playing for a seven, you know, seventh win in the CAA. Um, but I do think that Delaware is a much better team than they showed up in North Dakota. And as we all know now, the fact that they lost to Rhode Island at the beginning of the year wasn't so surprising since Rhode Island is actually pretty darn good. So, again, I don't want to step on another segment that we're going to have. I think that we all will have some things to say about some certain conferences and some certain names of teams that are getting ranked higher than they really should be. Um And I think we're going to save these last four minutes, if it's okay with you guys, to go to our new segment called uh, Playoff Graveyard. Um, So, Dakota, you are the one that asked about this and I think came up with this concept. So, um, to my knowledge, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, the Playoff Graveyard is basically teams that – the way that I interpreted it was teams that we thought were going to be, you know – flirting with playoff contention, maybe on the outside looking in. Even some of these teams had high aspirations but are just awful this year. And um, I think that we – I know that I have tears. It sounds like you're going to have tears as well of teams that are not completely out of it yet and then teams that are totally out of it. So with that, Dakota, I'm going to let you take it away. Um, <coughs> tell us about your right now.
1: So, yeah, that's basically the concept. Um, I have count, uh, four teams. On mine from just the results from last week, and first we're gonna to go to the ohio valley conference um one of the toughest conferences, as you'll know online <laughs> that people like to say, but oh, yeah. Austin p is my first victim. They lost to southeast missouri state last week thirty one twenty seven Austin p had a surprise season last last year come off that the longest division one losing streak, I think it was. They surprised a lot. They were one one of these surprise teams last season. So, coming into this season, a lot of people thought they could be that same team that's on the playoff bubble, maybe sneak into the playoffs as an at large bid. Um, But they have gotten off to a one and three start in the Ohio Valley, and they're sitting um, in seventh place, or Mm -hmm. eighth place, actually. So, you know, one and three in the Ohio Valley. I think that's just too much of a hole to dig yourself out of. So I think Austin Peace playoff hopes are done. The next one is University of New Hampshire. They've had they got uh blown out last week by Stony Brook, thirty five seven to drop to one and five. You know, they've had you know, just the first game of the season against Maine when they got blown out. They lost their quarterback Trevor Knight to injury. So they've had to overcome that and they've just had a hard time getting on track. So I think last week lost to Stony Brook with the final nail in the coffin for them, and then go into the Southland. It's Nichols State. Uh, last week they lost to Abilene Christian twenty eight to twelve, and that's that's just a team you cannot be losing to if you want a, a play opposition. Especially with how you know we talk about how close these like six six through eleven or twelve teams are. So just the seedings for the playoffs is going to be competitive, and even the at-large bits are going to be very competitive. So for Nichols to go and lose to Abilene Christian like they did, that puts them at 4-3 and three on the mm-hmm. season. I think that ended their playoff hopes for them. And then the last team also from the Colonial is William & Mary. Uh, lost to Towson last week, as we already said, 29-13. I think that puts them at 3-3 three and three or 2-4, and four, something like that. And just looking at the remaining of their schedule, they didn't really have any other marquee games to try and get their resume up. So that loss to Townsend really did them in. And then I had a couple teams on the bubble, as I called, attending the funeral and maybe in the funeral (laughs) next week. And it's Montana after getting just blown out last week by North Dakota. You know, they already had that really baffling loss to Portland State. Now, I will say about Montana. You know, we talked about a little bit about the Grizz earlier in the show. Uh, they are a really young team. And so I think just because they brought back you know, Bobby as their head coach, people started giving them too high of expectations too soon. This is a really young team, and they've been competitive for the most part. So despite how the season is for Montana – I say give it a couple seasons and they're going to be right back in you know, contention for the top 10 for just based on what I've seen this season. They're inconsistent, but that's what you expect of a really a, a group that's made up of a lot of freshmen, sophomores. And then my next team and last team on the bubble, as you will, is Youngstown State. Um, the Penguins. They do have a chance to still win the Missouri Valley. I say a chance just because they still face North Dakota State and Illinois State. And, if you know, if they can miraculously somehow win both those games, then, yeah, they'll find their way in the playoffs. But they did get blown out last week by the Jackrabbits from South Dakota State. You know, they squeaked by Southern Illinois, but then they lost to Western Illinois, and they find themselves, I think, eighth in the Missouri Valley right now they're sent at 2 and 4 overall so it doesn't look very clear for the penguins to find their way back in the playoffs and that's all the teams i have listed down
2: wonderful thanks for that uh jeff do you have any teams that you would like to add to attending the funeral or to the graveyard
0: well and actually i think you've given up on nickel state just a little early but i'm 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 i actually have nickel state as a bubble team um they they pretty much got to win out though, in my opinion, in order to, you know, to make the playoffs, and they better they better have some convincing wins, and I I just don't see that happening as of yet. Um, uh, you know, I, I'll also uh, another team that that uh, that you had on the grave or that had on the bubble, I'm actually going to move them to my graveyard. That's the Montana Grizzlies. No, no, they lost to <laughs> they lost to the Portland State. They lost. To uh, Western Illinois, and, and yeah, then the, there was this debacle, you know, in, in New Hampshire, and excuse me, in North Dakota. So, no, Montana Grizzlies, uh, you are in my graveyard, and, and so are their in-state rivals, the uh, Montana State, you know, um, Bobcats. There, yeah. yeah, I just don't see. You know, they're, they're again. It's another team that's great at home, but they're just not winning. They're not winning their key games, and I think that they need to. Uh, they just need to, to to have that realization. Stay in the big sky for a second. Idaho was supposed to be a, a team with high expectations. Yeah, well, their high expectations aren't aren't being realized. They're 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 gone. Good night. They're they're in my graveyard. New Hampshire, I think uh, I think you already mentioned their state, and I'm not going to beat that dead horse. And I hate to do this, but Western Illinois, yeah, you're done, you're done. I, you know, I love my leathernecks, but I'm just a realist. And and let's face it, we didn't beat Illinois State, we didn't beat, uh, we haven't beat anybody uh, other than the ranked at that point, uh, you know, Montana Grizzlies and. That, that's really our best win of the year. I, I think under, uh, you know, we've got a first-year coach this year, and I think, you know, maybe next year, we'll, you know, maybe get some of his own guys into the program. Well, let's see how, how Western does next year. I think we, we definitely can return to the playoffs sometime in this season or ne- or uh, not this season, but, you know, next season or the season after. So I'm going to put mm-hmm. uh, the, the Western Illinois uh, Leathernecks in the graveyard. My other two bubble teams. Uh, one of them is Missouri State, staying there in the in the conference. I think that they're uh, that they've got a, a matchup this week. That uh, you know, again, Western
2: Western I've already
0: put in the graveyard. If if Western goes to Springfield and beats Missouri State, uh, Missouri State's going to be uh, coming over to the graveyard as well. And Incarnate Word, the Cardinals, uh, again. Uh, they've got a, they've got McNeese this week. If they don't beat them, uh, it's over for the Cardinals. They're having a great season for them, uh, but uh, I think that that's, uh, that 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 could be coming to a crashing halt. Midnight be, might be coming in for Cinderella here shortly. So that those are my teams for uh, for the graveyard and for the bubble.
2: All right. Uh, thanks very much. So here are the teams that you guys have already mentioned for my graveyard, um, and you actually, with your Montana logic, actually decided to have me slide them into the graveyard. Because um, I actually I actually have Western Illinois as a bubble team until they lose one more time. I'm not going to try and project them losing, but until they lose, they're definitely I on that. You, I mean, you might not be able to see it coming. I honestly don't but I've seen weirder things happen this year. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not ready to put them in the ground just yet, but they're pro- they, have, they literally have one foot in the grave for me, in my opinion. Um, but what you said about Montana, you know, them, them beating Montana head-to-head and those other two Montana losses, I have put Montana in my graveyard based off of what you said. Um, Thank you. And Austin P, didn't even think about them, but, yeah, they should be in the graveyard as well. Um, Youngstown State I actually have in the graveyard just because what I've seen of Youngstown State and then them losing to Butler like that's a loss that you're not going to be able to write off in the playoff committee in my opinion so I also have Youngstown State in the graveyard as well along with New Hampshire Um, our resident New Hampshire fan on the FCS Fans Nations page said hey they might take it in with six wins and I'm just like there, there might be three other CAA teams with seven wins. So six-win New Hampshire isn't going to do that, and they'd have to win out to even get six wins. So that's just not happening. Um, so I'll put it that way. Uh, my other graveyard teams that you guys didn't mention uh, were Southern Utah. Um, I think everybody expected them to take a step back, but I didn't think we expected it to be this bad, even though they have a brutal, brutal schedule. So I put them in my graveyard. I also have Western Carolina in my graveyard as well. Um, the the Silicon is a little more cluttered than the CAA, but the teams that are like rising to the top aren't the quality of teams that the CAA has. That's just the way that it is. And with Western Carolina right now, they have uh, three losses in conference. Yeah, they're three and three, but they're done. That that's just the way that it is. Um, and then I have Richmond. Um, Richmond got their first win against Albany last weekend, but they are one and three, and one and three in conference, and three and four overall. And you know, kind of the way that you feel about West Bend, Illinois just not getting another win this year. I feel the same way about Richmond. They're not getting another win this year, so I have them in my graveyard as well. I have a lot of teams on life support, so bear with me. Um, Nova, they have a real chance of winning their next three games after they get out of this bye week, especially if they get their starting quarterback uh, back, and then that would happen, like I said, going into the game against Delaware at 6-4. and four. If Delaware's I mean, if Villanova is 7-4 and four and they have beat a Temple team that is actually currently undefeated in the American Athletic Conference, don't... Count the Wildcats out just yet, but they are definitely one loss away. I have Nichols on my bubble as well. Um, I wouldn't vote Nichols into the playoffs right now because of the losses that they've had. Um, And I don't see a three win Southland team or a three loss Southland team um, making it into the playoffs, even if they do have a power five win against Kansas. Um, But there's just going to be too many. 8-3, 7-4 eight and three, seven and four teams from the Valley and the Big Sky and the CAA. So they're probably gonna get squeezed out and that, that Albaline Christian loss was as bad as the score looked. Like they played awful that game. I watched a lot of that game. We already talked about Western Illinois. They're they're on my bubble until they lose. And these next four teams from the SOCON as well. I have Mercer, Furman, Chattanooga, and Sanford. All of those teams are on my bubble with one more loss, they will all be out. And, wow, does that suck for Sanford because I think everybody had high expectations for them. Um, And it's a little unfortunate for Chattanooga as well since they've kind of picked up momentum. Um, Then I went to the Southland. I have Central Arkansas and Sam Houston. I think that both of those teams are a loss away. And from the games that I've seen Sam Houston and Central Arkansas play in, they are not playing convincing, you know, We are better than these other six crappy teams in our football and our conference football, in my opinion. So, you know, I definitely think both of them are a loss away, um, which, you know, it is what it is. Um, You need to win more games in the Southland than eight if you want to be guaranteed. So that's kind of where they are right now. Um, A little curveball. I have North Carolina and T on the bubble. Um, they have a loss to who could eventually be the conference champion in Florida A&M, and, yes, an inexplicable loss against Morgan State. But they also have two wins against a, and I'm doing this in quotation marks, top five Jacksonville State team and a FBS win against East Carolina. If they went out and Florida A&M wins the conference, North Carolina A&T has a legitimate shot at getting an at-large bid. Well, with one more loss, they're done. Um, then next, I have South Dakota and Northern Iowa. I think they're both three and three now. And one or two more losses, neither of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Um, I think I think that a lot of people see that you know the Valley is still very strong, but they aren't going to be so strong in my opinion that they're going to get a bunch of seven and four teams into the playoffs this year. And the reason why I say that is because there are so many teams in the CAA that are currently ranked in the top 25. Like last year, or last week, yeah, Villanova fell out of the top 25, but Delaware took their place because Delaware beat Elon. So I think just for this year, the CAA has a better chance of getting a couple of 7-and-4 teams in than um, the Missouri Valley, and in that case, you know, South Dakota and you and I are really in, okay, we need to pretty much win out mode in my opinion. And then finally I have Northern Arizona. Um, They've had terrible looking losses, even with them having, um, you know, backup quarterbacks in and whatnot and backup wide receivers. But still, they have the easiest schedule in the big sky and they already have three losses, I believe. That just doesn't look good. And getting smoked by Missouri State – Definitely doesn't look good. So that's my bubble team as well. And I think that that's going to be all for that. Do you guys want to add or comment on anything that I've said or anybody else has? No. No, I
0: think that you've got a pretty darn good list. Um, And the one team that I'm going to put from my three conferences that I usually follow, I'm going to put the Dayton Flyers on there. I think if they lose one more time, they're done. So I'll put them on the bubble team for right now, but if they lose one more time. The Dayton Flyers, uh, they can, they can, you know, start looking towards next season.
2: <laughs> We're on to basketball. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So let us move on to our game of the week. This week we have. Uh, geez, sorry, I had it up here two seconds ago. Um, Stony Brook at Rhode Island, that's right. Okay, so we'll go in a different order again. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this game that really could be deciding um, who gets a playoff spot in the CAA?
0: Well, and that's it. I mean, this is kind of like a playoff game in the the CAA itself. You know, these are two teams that both need a win. Uh, in order to to stay relevant in the playoff hunt, maybe they should both be on the bubble here. Um, but I, I think that if Rhode Island wants to wants to stick in the in the playoff hunt, that they need a win here. And you know they just lost to Maine, uh, wasn't last week, but I think the week before. And then Stony Brook, they've just not they've not been that impressive this year. They need this win in order to uh, in order to maybe turn some heads on the playoff selection. Uh, committee, so I, I think that this this is uh, this is really a, a game for the playoffs for both teams.
2: All right, Dakota, and what do you think? Dakota, you well, um, there? I guess <laughs> uh, maybe Dakota stepped out or something? I don't know. I haven't been checking our uh, feed. Um, But I can get into this. Yeah, go ahead. Um, So basically, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head for me in terms of what's going on with this matchup. Um, I, for one, have, you know, Rhode Island, I mean, both of these teams only have one loss in the CAA. So, you know, this isn't going to be a death sentence, but it's not like either team has a very easy road afterwards since, again, this is the CAA. But what I'm really looking for, looking for in this matchup is, you know, which of these teams is going to really make the um, effort to make a legitimate push to say, hey, you know, don't, not only don't count us out for the CAA title, but even uh, count us out for a potential seeding. Because what if one of these teams goes seven and one in conference play, which I do not see happening, but um, you know, we have been proven wrong before. And what's also going to be happening in this, uh, this matchup is a contrast of styles. On the one hand, you have Rhode Island's high-flying offense, and even with their backup quarterback, um, we don't know what's going on with Juwan Lawson in terms of his return, um, but Rhode Island's backup quarterback has been more than capable. He still put up 36 points on a main team that is very, very stout at defense, and they still have two phenomenal wide receivers who happen to be cousins that are also very hard to cover. So it's not like Rhode Island is completely out when it comes to uh, putting some points on the board. That being said, excuse me, their defense is awful. So, or maybe not awful, they're just not very good, especially by CAA standards. So Rhode Island is kind of in an awkward position where one side of the ball is great and the other side of the ball is not so much. At the same time, you have Stony Brook who has two very very capable running backs and a good offensive line but their quarterback is mediocre at best. Uh Joe Carbone had a whopping 141 yards on 50% passing with two touchdowns and two interceptions against New Hampshire last week. And, you know, that's not popping off the uh screen for me personally. Um but, you know, that is what it is and and kind of take it and you run with it, and especially when you have a defense that's going to score 14 points for you, which is exactly what Stony Brook's defense did. And Stony Brook's defense is definitely their, uh, you know, their bread and butter, which is why it was so surprising that Towson put up 52 against them um, a couple of weeks ago. So that being said, though, I, I, I'm actually really looking forward to this game for the reasons you said. I'm not sure if I'm going to call it a playoff in or out game because – Um, I'll look up their uh, conference rankings right now. I know they both have one loss. Yeah, so they are currently fourth and fifth in the conference. Stony Brook is 3-1. and So with this win, Stony Brook could have four wins and position themselves very well to, um, you know, that would make them have six wins on the season, and they would only have to win one more game after that to really uh, put themselves maybe quote-unquote above the threshold. And they play Albany last, so that bodes well for them. Um, give me one second. Okay. Uh, sorry, I just saw what you guys said in the group chat. Um, yeah, so uh, like I said, um, Stony Brook, if they win next week, they could basically write in seven wins pending a very catastrophic loss. Um and at the same time, uh, Rhode Island is two and one, but if I remember correctly, they have a much harder schedule. And I'm, and yes, I am correct in saying that. So um, after Stony Brook, they played William and Mary again, a game they should win. We're not really sure what they're going to get with Elon. They have to go to JMU, and you, I can assure you that that New Hampshire-Rhode Island game is going to be gigantic, and New Hampshire's not going to wow. be laying down for anyone. So of the two remaining teams, neither of them have terribly easy schedules, but it's not like like Towson's schedule is brutal for the end of the season. Each of these teams have at least one more winnable game and a game against a team like a New Hampshire or a Delaware where you'd think, they would, you'd think that they would be favored, but this game would definitely go a long way in terms of impressing the playoff committee and notching another CAA win. So now that we have Dakota back, um, we were just talking about the game of the week, and and um, what are your thoughts uh, between Stony Brook and Rhode Island?
1: Um, I see you being very competitive, obviously. Uh, both these teams are evenly matched. I created a little bit of a tail of the tape for these teams. Um, I'm sure we already mentioned the records. Rhode Island's in at 4-2, and two, Stony Brook's in at 5-2. and two. I look up their offensive and defensive ratings, and Rhode Island. Rhode Island is actually ranked better in both categories. Rhode Island is 54th in total offense. To Stony Brook 77th. Defensively, Rhode Island's in the 30th. Stony Brook at 38. Road record for Rhode Island is two and one. They're two and zero against the FCS on the road. Stony Brook's undefeated at home this season, three and zero. And both teams are one and one against the top 25 this season. You know, Rhode Island's come off that heartbreaking loss to Maine last week, and Stony Brook. You know, routed New Hampshire, but you said their quarterback had some struggle even in that game against New Hampshire. Um, I feel like Rhode Island is going to step it up big. Uh, Their offense was impressive, like you said. Maine is a very good defensive team. They shut people down. So to go and score 36 points on the Black Bears is very impressive, but but you can't be giving up 38 points. And Rhode Island, (laughs) despite being 30th in total defense, they have been outscored this season 102 to 155 and Stony Brook's only given up 96 points this season, and they've scored 128. Um, I feel like Stony Brook has been a little bit more impressive than Rhode Island, no matter, you know, despite what the rankings say. Um, and like you said, I had Rhode Island's schedule already pulled up, and yet yeah, their schedule after this, yeah, they do get William Mary at home, which they should win, but then two Elon, two James Madison, and then a potential trap game at the end of the season at home against New Hampshire. And while Stony, you know, both these teams do still have a road game with JMU. I do not think, I do not think this is, as like you said, Preston. I don't think this is a playoff eliminator, but I do feel like if Rhode Island loses, I feel like that hurts them more than if Stony Brook loses. If that makes yeah. sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I pretty- but I think
1: it's just going to be a. You know, last time we saw the spread of seven and a half. I don't I don't think it's gonna be a seven point game. I see it being a three point game, six point game, something like that. I I don't see it being more than a touchdown.
2: Yeah. Um uh and the game comes on at six PM Eastern for those who are wondering. It's probably gonna be on CAA TV. Um, but if anybody really wants to know we can look it up. Um but I know at the very least I will be looking at the uh, the ESPN stat tracker for this game because it, it it should be you know something in the low twenties I'm guessing or like a twenty four to twenty one or maybe a twenty three to twenty one sort of game it, it it should be a really really good game um, and I'm I'm looking forward to it I hope you guys are too and I hope that everybody can find a way to watch it because it should be really really great so yeah
1: um, I finally have a Saturday off so
2: <laughs> woohoo. That's what I'm I'm about. excited. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's fantastic. I'm so glad I don't have to worry about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> I know that's keeping you up.
2: Yeah. All right, so um, let's then move on to the, uh, the highlighted games that each of us have for our conferences. Um, Jeff, you have a whole lot to go through, so let's get started with you and the conferences that you have and that you're covering for Adam. Sounds
0: good. Uh, you know, I'll go through these, uh, well, in no particular order. Let's go to the Southland. Uh, McNeese travels to Incarnate Word. That's that uh, That's that game I was talking about that they're on the bubble for. Uh, and Southeastern Louisiana hosts Abby Christian this week uh, in the Pioneer. Despite the rough start, San Diego tries to stay undefeated in conference play as they travel to Indiana. The Toreros have a noon kickoff at Butler. Stetson, Marist, and Drake try to keep pace with San Diego this weekend. Marist hosts Davidson, Drake makes the trip to Dayton, and Stetson hosts Jacksonville. Valpo and Moorhead State will try to keep the momentum going from their wins last weekend. They kick off mid-afternoon in Moorhead, Kentucky. Turning to the Northeast, Sacred Heart and Central Connecticut State face off in a bottle of undefeated conference teams, and... Duquesne and St. Francis also have an in-conference game. Again, as I said, it was a couple of my conferences here, a little hard to find uh, any sort of competition whatsoever. Uh, Yale travels to Penn in the, uh, in the Ivy League for a Friday night matchup. Uh, Princeton faces Harvard, and Dartmouth tries to stay perfect against Columbia. And Cornell travels to Brown. And let's see here, in the Big South. The Campbell Camels travel to New Jersey for a huge Big South matchup with Monmouth. Actually, Monmouth may be a bubble team if they lose this game. And the Presbyterian Blue Hose go to South Carolina for their game against Charleston Southern. Turning to the big sky, Montana State goes to Weber State in a battle of Wildcats. Both teams have identical records of 2-1 and one in the conference and 4-2 and two overall. Southern Utah travels to Idaho to take on the Vandals, and Idaho State will travel to Liberty. And uh, coming back to the Missouri Valley, whereas last week there weren't very many exciting matchups, every Missouri Valley game is a good one this week. The Redbirds head to Fargo in the Missouri Valley's premier game of the week. Uh, South Dakota State kicks off Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls late Saturday afternoon. The Yotes travel to Youngstown State to take on the Penguins. The Indiana State Sycamores faced the Southern Illinois Salukis down in Carbondale. And finally, my Western Illinois Leathernecks tried to derail the Missouri State Bears' playoff hopes in Springfield. And those are my games for the week.
2: All right. Um, So, uh, Jeff, out of those games, just a couple. and I know that you maybe have likely mentioned them. What what games are you going to be keeping a a closest eye on?
0: Well, of course, I'll watch. it goes without saying I'll be I'll be keeping an eye on Western and, and Missouri State. Uh, I know Adam's not here tonight. He is uh, getting ready to travel over to, to Fargo for the Redbirds and and, uh, and the Bison game this week. So that'll be a fun game. Uh, but you know I I look really at my conference uh, the Campbell Camels and and Mammoth Hawks. That that'll be a game that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Um. Also in the Ivy League, Yale and Penn, as well as Princeton and Dartmouth. You know, I look forward to seeing if if the uh, if the Tigers and and the the Mean Green can stay perfect this week. And uh, San Diego, I mean, they they got they got off to a horrible start this year. In fact, everybody was starting to write them off, and 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 I was even starting to have my doubts, but. You know they're proving they're the conference champions that they uh, that that they've been for a while, and and uh, let's see if San Diego State can uh, can go ahead here and and um, and and win at Butler, as well as Stetson, Marist, and Drake if they can keep pace with with San Diego because all those three teams have one loss apiece. So those are the games I keep my eye on this week.
2: Okay, um, wonderful, Jeff. Thank you very much. All right, Dakota, um, what games are you looking at in your neck of the woods this weekend?
1: All right, as always, we're going to start in the Southern Conference and game of the week in this conference is East Tennessee State traveling to Wofford. Wofford coming off that really embarrassing loss on the road to Furman. They look to bounce back at home against this surprising 6-1 Buccaneers team that defeated the Citadel last week. Advantage, though, a little bit for East Tennessee State because, like I said, they did play the Citadel last week who runs the triple option, and then this week, back-to-back week, they're facing another team who who runs the triple option. So, you know, it's usually hard for teams to only get a week to prepare to face an option team. We see it, you know, in all levels. But this East Tennessee State gets to face an option back-to-back week, so, you know, they're going to have a little bit more preparation for that. Um. Stay in the conference. Samford at Furman. Um, Furman, like I already said, big win last week against Wofford. They're hosting Samford. Samford has seemed to found their offensive mojo again. Back-to-back weeks, they've scored a combined 139 points. Um, now that was against VMI and Western Carolina, but still 139 points in two weeks is very impressive. They go on the road to face Furman, who knocked off Wofford. Ohio Valley, Jacksonville State, everyone's favorite team. Travels to Southeast Missouri. Um, Southeast Missouri is one of the two teams. There's two teams that have a realistic shot this season to take the OVC crown away from Jacksonville State. And it's Southeast Missouri State, um, who sits at, I think, four and two overall. They have one loss in the conference right now. But they got a big win last week against Austin P. They're looking to... In Jacksonville State's historic run of right now 36 straight Ohio Valley wins. JSU needs to win, win out to have the NCAA record that Duquesne holds at 39. And the other team that has a real good shot is Murray State, who sits at 3-0. and And Jacksonville State's on the road, and they're prone to slow starts this season, so watch out for that game. And like I said, Murray State, they sit at 3-0. and In the Ohio Valley, they have a legit shot at winning the conference Championship over Jacksonville State, and it's thanks to their – got a stud at quarterback, Drew Anderson. He had five touchdowns last week. They go on the road to Eastern Kentucky, who has one loss in the conference. That one loss is to Jacksonville State. And then the SWAC really has one game that matters this week, and it's Grambling at Alcorn. This matchup is what gets people excited the one time a year for SWAC football. It's two prize fighters fighting for the heavyweight championship These two teams have played for the conference title every year since 2015. Grambling has a second chance thanks to Southern's 38-0 win over Prairie View last week. The West is in a three-way tie between Southern, Prairie View, and Grambling. Alcorn's in sole possession in the East. Um, So a win for Grambling here can put these two teams on a collision course for yet another conference championship matchup. And that wraps up my conferences.
2: Okay. Um, so, actually, uh, I'd like, I like—I think you kind of already hit on them, but if there's like two or three games that, let's say your team has a bye week, like, I don't know, my team, um, <laughs> JMU, what two <laughs> or three games would you uh, point out for um, our fans to, uh, you know, really hone in on and uh, sit back and have a couple beers while, uh, while their team's on a bye this weekend?
1: Other games I mentioned, the one that I would be most excited about really has a lot on the line. There's two of them. It's the one the SoCon, East Tennessee at Wofford. It's this underdog, in East Tennessee State who hasn't had a winning season. I forgot how many seasons. I said it a few weeks ago. I I forgot how many years it's been. And then Wofford, who people were you know weary to bite to put their chips all in on, proved last week why that horrible showing against Furman. Um, so if East Tennessee State is for real and wants to take the soak on, this is their chance. Because if they beat Wofford, they're in the driver's seat. Um, and then the SWAC, Grambling at Alcorn. Like I said, these teams have fought for the conference title every year since 2015. You know, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but th- yeah. these two teams are SWAC football. So when these two yeah. teams get together, it's always an instant classic. Last year's game in the conference title was 40-32 to 32 Grambling. You know, so it's gonna be close, hard fought, probably high scoring. Um it's gonna be interesting to see if Grambling can flip a switch and turn their season around in the right direction.
2: Lord knows they need to. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. They have not looked good this year. They're they're lucky to be in the swag um yeah. Swag fish race. Right Loses their chance.
1: If they needed a chance to really just turn things around, this is the team to do it against. Not saying Alcorn's bad, but just because of the level of intensity that these two teams play each other with, and mm. just that these two teams know each other probably better than anyone else in the swag. So
2: Yeah. And Grambling has their rival of all teams to thank for them being back in the uh, conference yep. uh, position. So that'll be a hard one to swallow there, Grambling. Okay. So <laughs> I am. Go ahead and do my lone Patriot League game to watch: Lehigh at George. As I've mentioned before, Georgetown Hoyas are currently two and zero in conference, three and four overall. Take that for what you will. Um, but they are undefeated in the Patriot, and if they beat Lehigh this week, they will be three and zero and going up against Colgate, which is currently on a bye. And that game will more or less decide who wins the Patriot League. Um, next week. Now Georgetown could lose, and in so losing, Georgetown would still be 2-1, and one, um, and if they beat Colgate next week, then mm-hmm. they would technically be in the lead for the Patriot League, because that's how they do their tiebreaker. But if both of those teams are undefeated, that gives that game a whole lot more weight. So um, if you want the root for a little chaos, and uh, for a game that you might not have wanted to watch next weekend route for Georgetown to beat Lehigh this week. Then moving on to the MEAC, I have two games, one that's a little under the radar, but another one that actually so the first game is Carolina Central at Norfolk State. And Norfolk State is currently sitting at, I believe, two and one in conference. And North Carolina Central, while they are an all right team, they are Ineligible for the Celebration Bowl and/or an at-large bid into the playoff, so they are purely playing spoiler right now. And Norfolk State is a better team than they have been in the last couple of years. So if Norfolk State wins, um, they still keep their play—they uh, still keep their Celebration Bowl hopes alive. So it'll be interesting to see how the Spartans come out. And then the big game in the this weekend is North Carolina A&T at Bethune-Cookman. Uh Bethune Cookman, like North Carolina A and T, has one conference loss. Um, and Bethune Cookman thinks that if they you know, if they beat Florida A and M, they would try to, you know, say that they at the end of the year should be going to the celebration bowl. So Bethune Cookman's gonna come out swinging. North Carolina A and T is not only playing for a celebration bowl for their celebration bowl lives, but as I mentioned before, and it can't be stated very lightly, they will also be playing for a potential at large Bid into the um, playoffs for the FCS. So that's going to be a gigantic game. And, you know, this is where A&T has to put on their big boy pants because if they don't win this game, as awesome as the beginning of the season started out, you'd have to say this season would be a disappointment for the Aggies. And I won't harp too much on that. So um, we already mentioned uh, in the CAA our game of the week. We have Rhode Island at Stony Brook. Um, Not going to go too much into that one, but I think we all realize that that's going to be a very, very good game. JMU and Villanova are on a bye. I think positioned perfectly for both teams as JMU tries to push for a national seed and as Villanova tries to gear up for what would be a pretty improbable uh, run to win four out and try and get into the playoffs. Other than that, the CAA actually seems a little bit rested this week. Um, you have Richmond at Elon, which I think will be an interesting game because Richmond, I mean, yes, they technically could win out and make it to the playoffs. I don't think they will. But they also lost to Elon last year, kind of kind of in a funky way. So I see the Spiders actually going down to Elon and looking for some revenge. And it'll be interesting to see how Elon does coming off of the loss and losing two of their most potent starters due to injury, unfortunately. So it's a game to keep your eye on. I expect Elon to win, but I never have to, I never count out the Spiders, unfortunately. Um, next game I'll mention is Maine at William & Mary. Um, this is Maine's march to trying to be undefeated in the conference, but this is also uh, William & Mary's homecoming, and that means it's Jimmy Laycock's last homecoming and his second-to-last Home game for the tribe, so I, you know, I expect William and Mary to really, um, you know, kind of show a little pride and try and really win this one for their coach and what would be a very big win, um, devastating loss to Maine. Now that being said, I think Maine is going to win this game, but again, it's a game to keep your eye on and you sleep on a team in the CAA at your own peril, in my opinion. Then after that, I have Delaware at New Hampshire. Before the season, I saw that this is going to be one of those games that could decide the conference. Now, it is, can Delaware keep some realistic playoff hopes alive, and New Hampshire is officially playing the role of spoiler. So, as a spoiler, New Hampshire is a more than capable spoiler, because they do have Trevor Knight back, and I don't know what's going on with their defense. Um, granted, they held Stony Brook to 21 points on defense last um, last weekend. Um, Stony Brook had two points from, uh, from their own defense in terms of touchdowns. So I, don't, I really don't know what to make of New Hampshire, but I just never sleep on the Wildcats, especially if they think that they can make it into the playoffs with six wins, which I think is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, like I said, that being said, um, Delaware is kind of that bubble team, in the CAA team, where if they lose one or two more games, are not going to make the playoffs, so I look forward to seeing how Delaware comes out against New Hampshire. And then finally, um, I have Towson at Albany. Um, I think I already mentioned this, but a game that Towson absolutely needs to win, and because they're back four games are against teams that are going for potential playoffs and potential national seeding, um, this a win for Towson would put them at 4 and conference. And like I said before, Albany, yes, they have not won a conference game yet. But with the exception of two games this year, all of their games have been within one possession, and they have a very good quarterback and a very good wide receiver. So I would not sleep on the Great Danes either. It is also at Albany. So, you know, some of these games that I've mentioned, um, you would think that the, uh, the outcome would already be, you know, kind of in hand. But with the CAA and really with all of the FCS this year, I'm not going to write something off as an automatic win just because that's the way that it looks on paper. So, you know, it's not the hammering top 25 matchups that we've had over the past few weeks in the CAA, but still a lot of really good games and a whole bunch of them have some uh, some playoff implications, we'll just say. And, um, you know, apart from our game of the week that we've already mentioned that everybody should watch, um... Really, uh, folks should tune in to the North Carolina A&T versus Bethune Cookman game. I think it, I don't know what time it's at, but you know, a lot of people don't watch MiAC football a lot for reasons, whatever their reasons are. Um, but North Carolina A&T is a good team, and Bethune Cookman's on the rise. Like I said, um, a lot of the way that JMU forced the rest of the CAA to raise their game, North Carolina A&T has done that with the rest of the MEACs. So. Um, that A&T versus the cookman game should be really good. And out of the CAA games, honestly, I would say um, keep an eye out for Richmond at Elon. I actually think that that will be a competitive game that Elon pulls out. And Delaware at New Hampshire. I would personally think that Delaware has the edge just in terms of talent and the way that they've been playing this year. But, again, I'm not about to sleep on New Hampshire just because they've had a really, really bad first part of the season. Um, now if they get beat up by Delaware, maybe I'll act. Put them to rest in terms of that, could, you know, cause an upset. But maybe it's just the the CAA guy in me. I I just refuse to overlook New Hampshire. So with all of that, guys, I think we are now moving into slightly ahead of our schedule. The get off our lawn portion, which I don't know about you guys, but I think that this portion is hysterical. Um, so. Our topic this year uh, this time, um, I think is very timely TE. and we didn't want to step on it when we were going over top twenty five rankings, but it is teams that you know I think we've all kind of said throughout the year, but we just want to get it off our chest in a more formal way. um Dakota, what are some teams that you see yeah. right now in rankings and all all of these polls, and you're like, What the crap are these people
1: thinking? Um, I think you could really use the coaches' poll for that one if you really want to use one that's where you are thinking. but we'll use the stats. First, it jumps out. I think uh, Kennesaw State has not earned a top three spot because just based on what I've seen this season, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and James Madison are definitively the top three teams in the country. Um, Kennesaw State, I was just trying to look up their strength of schedule, and I did find it. Their strength of schedule is ranked at 120th. And in their first game of the season, they play just FBS bottom feeder, Georgia State. They had that game won. They should have won that game. They let them come back and lost. And then uh, Jacksonville State, you know, their strength of schedule is 109th. They – that that loss in the opening game of the season, North Carolina A&T is looking worse and worse as the season goes on. Um, but, you know, as I watched that game, I thought Jacksonville State did outplay. North Carolina a t was just, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, penalties. But, I mean, still there's no excuse. You know, you got to win games, you know, to get the respect that you, you want but you haven't earned. Um, ben McNeese. Uh, you know, their best win of the season right now is Nichols, and that that win's also looking not as good or not as impressive as the season goes on. And, you know, their strength schedule is number 66. And then Northern Iowa coming back into the top 25, at, right at number 25 at 3-3 three and three when the three teams they have beating. Uh, none, of them have a, none of them have a winning record, and they've beaten Indiana State and Howard. Um, and you and I as 0-2 versus the top 25. And so some teams that do deserve to be ranked, some teams that are actually exceeding expectations, n- n- not a lot of people saw them in this position this late in the season, you know, starting off with Idaho State in the big sky. They're 4-2 and 2 right now. They're 2-1 and 1 against top 25, and their strength of schedule is sitting at number four. So to be 4-2 and 2 with that tough a schedule is n- nothing to look, you know, look past. Missouri State, as we've mentioned earlier in the show, they're also at 4-2. and two. They're 2-0 two against top 25. And their strength of schedule is also in the top 10 at number 10. And then Dartmouth. Let's give the Ivy League some love here. I mean, we got Princeton at number 23, but there's another Ivy League school that's also 5-0, and zero, and that's the Dartmouth Big Green. So we're going we're to put Sam Houston State at number 14. Nothing I've seen from Sam Houston State has told me that they're even a playoff team, let alone a top 14 team in the country. Um, Colgate's defense is just stupid, good, you know, just to put in lame and stuff stupid good. I think they shut out like three straight opponents and they've given up three points in four weeks like no matter who you're playing, that's teams just don't do that, and you know they're undefeated, and they're in a seventeenth, and you know they've beaten two colonial teams. I'm pretty sure I know they got went over William and Mary, but then then they play another. Colonial team. Yeah, they, they beat New Hampshire ten to three in second week. Um, I think yeah, you know, we've 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 said this in weeks past that you know some of these teams are just ranked because of who they are and just what they've done. I feel like what they've done in years past. You know, Sam Houston State has been a you know perennial quarterfinal semifinal team. You know, this season they've really lost that edge. You know, especially early on in the season, they look like they're kind of finding their way back. I don't think they've done enough to be in the top 14. I think they're just getting there based on what they've done in years past. I think the same can be said about you and I. You know, Montana finally dropped out. but They're still actually receiving votes. You know, they were were at, I think, the seventh or eighth highest receiving vote even after getting blown out by North Dakota, who also should be in the top 25 because North Dakota beat that Sam Houston team that you have at 14 and beat Montana very handily last week. Um. So those are the ones that really stick out to me the most um, is, um, I kind of said earlier, just a second, you know, Kennesaw State shouldn't be in the top three. Jacksonville State shouldn't be in the top five. And then you and I, I don't think Nichols should be in the top 25. And these teams that are receiving votes, they should have the opportunity to rise up and be ranked. Now, they have opportunities. They just keep winning. They will get there eventually. But I think as of now, they've done enough to be there.
2: Sure, sure. Um, awesome. Definitely a great way to kick this off. Um, Jeff, what would you like to add or maybe even debate um, about what Dakota just told us? Jeremy Jeff Okay. Uh sounds like Jeff might maybe stepped away from his phone for a second. So Dakota, I'm I'm actually kind of oh, you back. I'm back. You, oh, okay, cool. Wonderful. Jeff, so uh we were just talking about uh, well, while while Dakota
0: office. was while Dakota was going there, I uh my kids came down and said goodnight to me, so I, I I had it on mute for a few minutes, and then I started talking over it. Um, I agree with Dakota on Kennesaw State being uh, well overrated. Um, you have McNeese. What the heck? Why are they at number six? I don't get that. Um, you know, Elon, you know, I I have a feeling that they're going to fall. Uh, no, no fall to them at this point. Um I don't know that they're overrated as of as of what they've done so far this year. UC Davis, I think they should be going up. Um, you know, we talked about Towson earlier. I was I was happy to hear about them. Sam Houston State again. Who have you beat here, here to uh, to get to get a number fourteen ranking? Um, let's go back down here, um, Nichols. Yeah, why are you still even in the poll? Um, and and again, the Southland—it's it's not. I just look at the at the level of competition there. I'm like, why are these teams even still hanging around? And and, and it's one of my favorite punching bags, the UNI Panthers, as and I think I just heard Dakota say that. Uh, as the kids were growing up, maybe um yeah they they they're one of the teams that I think are are getting votes because of their history. I look forward to seeing North Dakota uh, ascend into the rankings. I look forward to seeing Dartmouth ascend into the rankings, and I, I feel bad for for Idaho State. I think that they should be at least getting more votes because they have played very well in the Big Sky, and yeah, they. I think that they should they should at least be closer to the twenty fifth position, uh, you know, than some of the teams that we've already talked about here.
1: Yeah, that Idaho State team they had they had UC Davis beat last week.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, they Mm -hmm. lost
1: in overtime. Yeah, so that's got to be worth something.
2: Yeah, and I mean, uh, so um, I guess I'll jump in here. Um, Just out of, I mean, I think we've all pretty much said the same thing here. Um, It's nothing against Kennesaw or Jacksonville State or McNeese. You know, you play who you play, Um, but. I think everybody thinks that for all intents and purposes, Kennesaw State should be undefeated. Um, and the fact that they're not undefeated is a disappointment. I think three is a little high for them, and by a little I mean pretty darn. I'd probably have them floating around more of a seven or an eight if I were being completely honest, um, especially in terms of polling. And, again, with Jacksonville State, okay. Um, so you've been beating the brakes off of teams that and, – and, I mean – Dakota, you could attest to this more than I can. Yes, Jacksonville State is winning some of these games by wide margins, but, you know, against East Illinois last weekend, um, wouldn't you expect your team to beat them a little bit worse and even not allow them to score 22 points? Yeah. Well, they were slow to get
1: going, too, because it was. If I'm not mistaken, it was a 7-6 or 10-6 game in the second quarter. So.
2: Mm-hmm. so it's it's not like we're reaching here to say, okay, Jacksonville State, you're not, yes, you're 5-1, and, and yes, you are eventually in some cases winning by wide margins, but on the whole, you, you don't really have a win this year that makes you go, okay, yeah, that's it. That, that, that's the one. Um, and – North Dakota State has a win like that. Um, South Dakota State I don't really think has a win like that per se, but they are definitely beating teams more convincingly than both Kennesaw State and Jacksonville State, and McNeese for that matter. And even JMU, um, you know, William and Mary and Richmond, yes, they're rivals, but both of them are down this year. But what they did to Villanova last weekend, um, even though Villanova is looking a little wonky, that, that was no fluke. JMU absolutely demolished that team, um, and this isn't a Villanova team that's been losing by wide margins. They lost, they lost on a last-second field goal to Maine, and they lost by a safety to Stony Brook. So yeah, Villanova's 0 and 4, but they're not a horrible team, and JMU just completely shut them down. Um, so I think that that's kind of why everybody sees the top three where they are. Um, you guys didn't mention Weaver State. Um, and its I, I wouldn't say that I have a huge problem with him at number seven, but, again, when you're losing to a northern Arizona team that has kind of looked a little funky, and then, yeah, you beat Eastern Washington, but one of your touchdowns was a punt return, and you scored one offensive touchdown against Eastern uh, Washington. Like, okay, well, are you really the seventh-ranked team? Kind of funky there. Right. Uh, I don't want to
1: interrupt, but, you know, with Weaver being over Eastern Washington, it's kind of how the same thing when Elon beat James Madison. It's like I would take James Madison still if they played again. I would take mm-hmm. Eastern Washington uh, if they played Weber State again.
2: So right. I don't
1: think just because they beat Eastern Washington, they should be above them.
2: Yeah. Um, and, like, in my yeah. personal
1: top ten, Weaver is literally number ten.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
1: Eastern Washington is number six.
2: Yeah. And we, and we talked about this a little bit. These things are definitely very fluid. Um, I think that a lot of people don't like to shift them around too much because they don't want to be right. seen as overwhelming. Um, but for, for me, for example, I think I had Walford at six or seven, probably seven, in my top ten. And now in my top 25, I have them all the way down to 17. Um, and... You know, a lot of people might be like, okay, what the heck, and I would say, well, I didn't have a reason not to put Wofford in the top ten. They played a division, uh, they played an FBS team really close. They were winning the games that they were supposed to win, but they didn't look that impressive. Mm-hmm. And they got the break speed off of them by a Furman team that really um, is one loss away from being out of the playoffs. Now, what would, like in, in Dakota, I'm not trying to pick on you or anything, but like, what would you say is the difference between uh, Wofford at four and two and uh, you know Jacksonville State at five and one? Like, does Jacksonville State's are Jacksonville State's wins really that much more impressive than Wofford's wins at this point?
1: I mean, I feel like Jacksonville State's in the same boat. You don't really know because the one chance they had was that opening game against North Carolina A and T, and they lost. And like right. you said, they haven't had that one game that you say, okay, these guys are a legitimate semifinal, finalist contender, you know, title contender. You know, the one game where they re- their most complete game came against Mississippi Valley State, and that is the worst team in the FCS probably. Like they're oh, still yeah. winless, and everybody breaks off them. So
0: yeah.
1: Jacksonville State's still lacking. Yeah, they're scoring a lot of points, but like you said, you gave up twenty-two to Eastern Illinois. They gave up thir- over thirty to Austin P., who's like I said, eighth in the Ohio Valley. Like they're not dominating their conference like they have in years past. And really, the I mean, they do get more chances. Like you know, this week they do play Southeast Missouri State, who's sitting at uh, you know one loss in the conference. And then in the either next week or the week after, they play Murray State, who. It's currently three and zero in the conference, so they their schedule does get a little bit tougher. And if they do blow up those teams, like they did the Eastern Kentucky, fifty six to seven, like that, there is a good game. And it was on yeah. the road, but you got to do that week in and week out. Like, and I will give Kennesaw State credit, like they're doing that in their conference. But my question, you know, I got a question that popped in my head when you were talking about Kennesaw State and Jacksonville State, and I want y'all's opinion on this: is when. Obviously, this is a month away, so, you know, crazy things can happen. But if everything plays out like it should and those two teams meet in about a month, what does one of those teams have to do to get rid of the stigma of they don't deserve where they're at? That even if, like, let's say, you know, Kennesaw State wins, if they win by, like, a field goal or Jacksonville State wins by a field goal, is the winner still going to have that stigma like does one yep. team have to blow out the
0: other? Go for it, Jeff. Yes, I think I think you need a blowout. You need a big win there for one of those two teams at the end of the season. Again, you've got the Ohio State or excuse me, the Ohio Valley Conference. And it's just not that strong of a conference. I mean eastern right. Kentucky's down this year, Eastern Illinois down this year. Um, T- Tennessee Martin might be one of their better teams in the conference. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not. I don't have that that standings up in front of me. And nothing against it, Monmouth. I, I still, I've I've contended all year. Should not have been a playoff team last year. Um, and that's really the the um, that's really the the closest team that you have in the Big South, other than now this year, the Campbell Camels. Um, to being a playoff contention team, and I and obviously you don't even see Campbell getting votes. So I think I think either of those teams uh, at the end of the season, if they want to remove that stigma, they've got to have a blowout win.
2: And uh, Dakota, I'll hop in as well. I actually mentioned this today on the FCS Fans Nation's page. I, f- I forget who's um somebody's, Jacksonville State thread. I want to add some actual content instead of trolling. Anyway. Um, I, I, you know, if Jacksonville State or Kennesaw State wants to lock up a national seed, they need to blow, one of them needs to blow the other one out because the loser of that game will not have a national seed. Um, and if they do have a national, there's something wrong. Um, like let's say that Jacksonville State lost that game by 15, um, who in their right mind would then put them at a seven or an eight seed and not say that that's because of name and name only. Um, or, you know, and Kennesaw State doesn't necessarily have the name recognition of the Jacksonville State. Let's say that Jacksonville State goes and crushes them by 20. Do you really think that Kennesaw State would then deserve to be a a 7 or an 8 seed? Um, But that being said, I think that maybe these two teams do play each other, like, really well, and they show high – like, you can see high-quality football. Um, And maybe at the end of the year, these teams are, like, clicking on all cylinders. They've had a few more convincing wins Mm -hmm. under their belt. And they legitimately play each other to something like a 35-32, where there was really good defense played, even though there were a lot of points scored. But you saw the quality Mm on the field. Then maybe you see one of these teams... uh, getting, you know, maybe one has a six seed and the other one has an eight seed, depending on how everything lines up in the other bigger three conferences. Um, but I think what would be best for them is if one of these teams just completely blew the other one out of the park. Um, now, with that being yeah. said, then you take a look at a team like McNeese, who really isn't going to have another opportunity like this against an actual opponent. So they're they're kind of at the mercy
1: of the committee at this point. Just one, you know, just a little bit quick more. I don't want to stay on one te- team too long. But, you know, like I said, you know, Jacksonville State, you know, if they do get by Southeast Missouri State, they have that opportunity against Murray State. And that game is actually next week in Murray, Kentucky. But I was looking up, you know, Murray State schedule because, you know, in the standings they're 3-0 and in the OVC, but they're 3-3 three and three overall. That means they went winless out of conference. I was looking at who they played out of the conference. Just talking about how you know, you talk about the big South. You know, Campbell is leading the big South, you know, but they're not even getting votes. Murray State's three on the OVC, they played Southern Illinois out of conference, lost by thirty nine, played Central Arkansas out of conference, lost by thirteen, and then they played SEC Kentucky. So, you know, they got blown out in all three non conference games. But in the OVC, they scored forty points in all three games. That just tells you the difference in the OVC thing, like going out to play You know, of Southern Illinois from the Missouri Valley, and then Central Arkansas, even from the Southland Conference. So that just really tells you, you know, about the OVC. Um, And then going to McNeese, you know, like you said, they don't really have a lot more chances, and you know, they just haven't been impressive enough to be. You know, you talk about they struggled last week with Abilene Christian; they won by three. Way before that, they struggled with Stephen F. Austin, won by a touchdown. And I honestly don't think I think this home game against Incarnate Word. Is a trap game for them because you know they go on the road next week to Central Arkansas, and Incarnate Word has been a little bit of a surprise in Southland. You know they haven't been one to roll over the season, so you know with how McNeese has been playing in recent weeks, you know I, I just don't think even this game they have this week is a full well, wait yeah this week is a you know just a gimme game. I think they might struggle in this one too. And I don't think they deserve, you know, their number six ranking as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At least Jackson and will have that opportunity against each other, you know, later in the season.
2: Yeah, and, and, and um, I, I definitely agree with you um, there. Um, you, you know, it, and it's hard, you know, these teams can't be blamed or you can't really blame these teams for their conferences being so awful. But at the same time, yeah. if you want to be some of these top-tier 5'10 teams, you need to beat these awful teams, and you need to beat these awful teams convincingly, like what Jamie did. In Richmond. We know that they're not good teams, and Jamie just beat them to a pulp. But that's what you expect from a top five team, or a top ten. So I don't think we're going to harp on this too much longer, because I mean, I could also get into why the Southland doesn't deserve to have Central Arkansas, Sam Houston, ranked in the top 25. In my personal opinion, I don't think I have them ranked in my top 25, um, but I think we all kind of see where that is. Let's see where things even out, and, and forbid if Sam Houston finds a way to creep into the top 10, then we might have to just take an entire show on that one. But with that being said, hey, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But let's uh, let's uh, move on to our pickums. Uh, Jeff, let's start with you. What's one game that you would like for us to pick? Well, let me go back here
0: just a second. I got a bunch of games, I think, in my conferences. I keep coming back to the picks page just a second here. I got a bunch of games in my conferences. But let's go back to the Missouri Valley. Uh, um, <laughs> you know what? Um, and then there's there's a game that that that's uh, – that Dakota just brought back up here a minute ago, and 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 I'm going to uh, to use mm-hmm. that next. But I think my first game we've got to go with uh, with the Fargo Dome, the Redbirds traveling to uh, North Dakota State. Is this a team from the uh, you know? Is this a team that can do the um, you know can do the upset on the Bison?
2: So Jeff, uh, let's let's go with you. What do you think? Oh no, no, no. North Dakota no. State's gonna roll it home. Okay, uh, Dakota, no. what do you think?
1: Yeah, Illinois State. They got stud running back James Robinson. If they want any chance to win this game, pull the upset. They he's got to have a tremendous game, game of his career. Limit the turnovers, control the clock but I think North Dakota State rolls late. I think it may be close for about a half, but I think North Coast State's going to pull away.
2: Um, so I, I think I'm going to – not not to say shut this one down real quick because we've also picked the same teams a lot of times. Um, I just don't know what to make of Illinois State. They're kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. Um, they looked really good, and then they had a really bad hangover. Um, So I guess guess what I would say is this game is going to be a gauge of what what are we really going to be seeing from Illinois State? Are they going to be a team that's going to be maybe a third-valley team to try and challenge for a seed in the playoffs, or are they going to be playing somebody in the first round? Personally, uh, you know, and honestly, you know, this is a game where we need to see from North Dakota State, are they going to be able to get their offense clicking? They're kind of having the same problem as, as JMU is where their offense is sputtering at best, and their defense is kind of carrying the day for them, um, clearly with North Dakota State being undefeated. But that being said, I I expect North Dakota State to roll in this one. I'm expecting something like a 10-point game, though, maybe a 34-24. to 24. Good and, deal. And, uh, all right, so uh, Dakota, what about you? What's the game that you have for us?
1: Got, we're gonna go with the big game in the Southern Conference: East Tennessee State at Wofford. Wofford had, you know, we we it's like beating a dead horse. You know, they we know they got whooped by Furman last week. East Tennessee East Tennessee State is the surprise team in the Southern Conference. Uh, they've played a lot of close games this year. They beat VMI by three, Furman by two, Chattanooga by three. The only time they've blown out a team is when they played Gardner Webb. This game is going to be close. I think the preparation has helped them with basing the Citadel last week. They're going to be a little bit, you've seen the option. And I think East Tennessee State is going to get it done and keep the underdog season rolling.
2: Awesome. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? I
0: haven't been repressed with the, with the Terriers yet this year. I started to become impressed, and then they lost. No, no, no. <laughs> I should have just gone with my gut instinct. East Tennessee State.
2: All right, so, you know, we're all picking the same thing again. I don't want to call this a death sentence or anything since we're all picking East Tennessee State and, you know, bailing on the puppies here, but I think we're all kind of on the same page. I I haven't been impressed with Walford over the past few years. Um, I've always kind of seen them as a smoke and mirror act, and... A lot of people were saying, you know, East Tennessee State's going to come on strong in a couple of years. And I remember when JMU beat up on them a couple of years ago, they're like, you know, give them them a couple of years. They'll be right there. Um, I I think that this is East Tennessee State's coming out party. So I'm I'm going to roll with them as well, Um, which would, again, make the Southern Conference very, very interesting if that happens. Um, Because that would turn them definitely into what I think would be a two-bid team, especially if East Tennessee State went out. So I think we're all three going with East Tennessee State for that one. Um, yep. Next, I'm going to bring up a game out of the MEAC. Um, North carolina ante and A&T Buffoon Blassoon-Cookman. Um, so for this game, I kind of mentioned before, this is pretty much make or break for both of these teams this season. The, the team that wins this game at least remains within striking distance of FAMU. And the team that loses is more or less out. Um, A&T has more writing on this game because of the NEAC teams that could receive an at large bid, North Carolina A&T really is the only team that has that opportunity based off of the games that they've won. And with that, I'm actually going to roll with the Aggies on this one because I think that they're really going to step their game up because they need to. And I think they know that. Beth- Bethune-Cookman almost beat them last year, and I think they realize that since they lost to FAMU – you know, if they if they want a shot at the Celebration Bowl, if they want a shot at the playoffs, they literally can't lose another game. So I'm going to roll with the Aggies on this one, but it's going to be a really close game. Uh, Dakota, what do you think?
1: Yeah, just basically everything you said. Uh, Bethune-Cookman is one of those roller coaster teams. You know, you really don't know what you're going to get each week. You know, last week they struggled with South Carolina State. Before that, they beat Mississippi Valley by two touchdowns, but then they got you know just. Walloped in beginning of season against Tennessee State, and then lost that close game to Howard. Uh, I think a like you said, A and T's got more riding on this game. They had Florida A and M beat last week. Mm-hmm. They kind of fell asleep at the wheel, so I think they've learned from that. They're going step on the gas pedal, and they're not going to let their foot off this time. I think North Carolina T has no problem. All
2: right, Jeff, what do you think?
0: I think since opening week, I think. uh, I, I again, there's a, there's another team that I'm kind of sitting there going,
2: hmm,
0: yeah, no, not, you know, maybe a little bit overrated on that one. I, I'm going to go back to you. You know, um, they've been, uh, you know, as as uh, as Dakota just said, they've been up and down this year, but I think they're going to play up to their competition, and I think that they're going to surprise A and T. So let's go with That's the incumbent.
2: And, hey, I will say on that note, if Bethune-Cookman does pull this off and both them and you went out, I would love to be in Orlando for the Florida Classic because that would be a hell of a matchup to have those two teams playing for the MEAC, uh right to, uh, you know, represent the MiAC in the Celebration Bowl. So, um, you know, go Bethune-Cookman, go Wildcats, but my gut's still susanity. team. <laughs> All right, Jeff, uh
0: what's the second game to champ? Uh my next game is McNeese at Incarnate Word. Um again yeah, you know, McNeese is, is you know, ranked number six and I think we've all thought that they're uh that they're overrated. Uh Incarnate Word just hasn't backed down from anybody yet this year. So I I look for this to be a good game and, and it's not at McNeese, so it's not in uh, Louisiana there, so
2: I'm gonna go with uh, Incarnate Word on this one.
1: Uh, Dakota! I, I'm I, I want to go with the Cardinals too. But I, I'm not uh, I'm not as brave as Jeff is. I mean, they've been impressive. They've been in every game they played. They did have a bad loss last week to Lamar, um, and like I said, McNeese has struggled in recent weeks, just really scoring points. Their defense has kept them in games, so. I think McNeese is going to... It's probably going to be another close game, but I think McNeese pulls it out.
2: So, I'm going to sound like a hater here, but I would so love for Incarnate Ward to win this game just for total chaos in the Southland. Um, <laughs> yeah, because everybody's hair would be lit on fire. They'd be like, oh my gosh, you're best team loss. So... That's what my heart wants, but my brain really can't do that. I haven't seen incarnate word played this year. Um, if I if I have seen them play, maybe I think a little differently. But McNeese has looked good at times, and they do have a really good defense. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and my chaos in the Southland will have to come some other time. Dakota, I just another... I, I look at I I just look
0: at the way that McNeese has played down to their competition. And I think yeah. if uh, Incarnate Word has a good week, it's going to be a fun week.
2: Yeah, I mean that—that's definitely a game that I will watch. Um, uh, we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens. It, it's it's definitely going to be a good game though. I I can definitely attest to that. Uh, Dakota, what is the next game you have?
1: We're going to the SWAC and we're going to a heavyweight boxing match. It's going to be Grambling stay at Alcorn. I hate you. Or Alcorn at which one is? It? I actually forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Grambling at Alcorn. <laughs> uh, like, I, you know, these teams have met for the Swag title the last three seasons. Um, Last year, Grambling got the upper hand by eight. Uh, Grambling's been not the Grambling of old this season. Uh, they got, you know, new life last week thanks to Southern. Um, Grambling needs this win if they want another SWAC championship appearance. And – uh Potential celebration bowl title. So, um, but I'm going to go Alcorn State. I think Alcorn has, despite the overtime loss a few weeks ago to Alabama State, I I have more confidence in Alcorn State to uh, defeat Grambling.
2: All right, Jeff, what do you think?
0: I hate to say it, I, I I could just as easily, I think with with my opinion on this one, I could probably flip a coin. I could make arguments for both teams. Um, instead of instead of wasting a, another round here, I'm going to go with. I think I'm going to go with Grambling in this one. I think that the that they'll pull out the road win. Okay.
2: Okay, um, and for me. I think I'm actually going to go with Grambling as well. Um, just looking over Alcorn State's schedule really quickly, really the only convincing win, in my opinion, that they have. So, or actually, I'd give them two. Um, 27-15 away to Texas Southern and 35-26 away to Alabama A&M. Oh, sorry. And a 20-3 Southern. That's the one that I was actually looking at. That's their one really convincing win this year. Um, they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 2, um, with a funky loss to Alabama State, but I think a lot of people actually picked the uh, picked Alabama State to win that game. Um, I just think that Grambling's been given new life thanks to their rival, Southern. So I'm going to go with uh, Grambling as well. Um, that's going to be a heck of a game and it will be one that I'm tuning into as well. So we have five more minutes left. I'm not trying to shortchange anybody, but I think we should go straight into the game of the week since it also happens to be a CAA matchup for me. Um, We have have already talked Rhode Island and Stony Brook to death. So I am actually going to go out on a limb here, I think, and go with Rhodey. Um, I think their offense is better than Stony Brook's defense. And I just, Tony Brooks' quarterback play just does not impress me at all. They have great running backs, but if Rhode Island can stop those running backs, then it's going to be a long day for the Seawolves, and the Seawolves have kind of been meandering around the CAA with really not super impressive wins. So I'm going to go with Rhode Island in this one, and I'm thinking it's going to be something like 30 to 24. Uh, Dakota, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I like Rhode Island's offense more. Um, Stony Brook is going to have to throw the ball well to win this game. I think Rhode Island needs this win more. So with the desperation of wanting to stay alive for a playoff spot in the hard-fought Colonial, I'm going to give the nod to Rhode Island, and I'm going to say it's going to be about 33-27. Okay, awesome.
2: And, Jeff, you have the final say.
0: I think in this case, I could easily have seen this, these two been switched in the polls. Uh, personally, I think that Rhode Island should be above Stony Brook, and I think that that's the way that it's going to come out in the uh, final score this weekend.
2: Okay. Awesome, guys. Well, I'm not going to fill these the last couple minutes that we have with too much chatter. Um, Dakota, do you have anything on your mind that you'd like to say?
0: Mm,
1: no, I'm, I've said my piece.
2: Okay? Awesome. What about you? <laughs>
0: uh I am just going to say I'm looking forward. There's a whole bunch of good games this week uh in the conferences that I follow. So, I'm just going to look forward to uh sitting back on Sunday morning and reading a lot of articles about how all these uh how all these games came out and and why they the uh why that the polls are going to be completely different compared to uh the, the way that they are this week. All
2: right. Um I will put it put in again a Georgetown plug. Everybody should watch Georgetown as painful as it's going to be against Lehigh. Because if they win, Col- Colgate versus Georgetown is going to be our game of the week. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's the battle for the Patriot League, red there. Um, but in all seriousness, there's going to be a lot of good games this weekend. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know having something fun to write about on Sunday because. With the way, especially the way the CAA has gone, one of those teams that shouldn't have won probably will win, and it will throw the conference into complete chaos. So with that, guys, I'm going to say good night, and you all have a wonderful weekend and happy watching. You too. All right. See you guys. Good night.
0: See you.